You've expressed a little reticence about being the narrator of this episode about pub crawl. Right. For obvious reasons, because really, what business do you have talking about beer? Right? Not, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> if you smelled a beer, would you recognize that it was beer? No, I don't have a very refined palate or nasal, uh, you know, <laughs> nasal factory <palate>. you know, <laughs> capacity. Have you ever been in a situation where you're serving as a mayor and you're in someone else's city? Some uncomfortable situation where someone offers a toast and... All the time. Uh, oh, really? I, I, I am very active in the U.S. Conference of Mayors. And yeah. so I, uh, on a national level, quite often am in uh, big uh, social events, you know, cocktail parties. I'm pretty sure I'm the only guy in the, <laughs> in the room that is uh, having a club soda. And you've got a better pub crawl in your town than any of them do. <laughs> That's the irony, isn't it? Yeah. It's the attitude you get from the bartenders, you oh. know, because you, you walk up and you go, uh, Diet Coke, and they look at you and they go, really? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to live on the wild side tonight. <laughs> or they're like, dude, you understand this is an open bar, and people here are like drinking hundreds of dollars worth of liquor, and you ask for a Diet Coke? What is wrong with you? And so I'll say, uh, put a twist of lime in it. It's always cool in Mesa. Yes, it is. It's always cool in Mesa. Forget the degrees and just remember this, please. I say it's always cool in Mesa. Some things just don't seem to go together, but they do somehow. Like runway models and combat boots, or bacon and chocolate shakes, or Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. But here's another unlikely pair, Mesa and Pub Crawl. Don't know what a pub crawl is? Hey Siri, what's a pub crawl? A pub crawl is the act of drinking in multiple pubs or bars in a single night. Mesa, Arizona, that desert city founded by teetotaling pioneers, famous for its conservative values and its most iconic building, a Mormon temple, has earned a new title, the craft beverage capital of Arizona. And can I tell you a secret? As a descendant of those dry pioneers and as a committed teetotaler myself, I kind of love it. Not only because the craft beverage community is helping downtown Mesa roar back to life, but because I've gotten to know the people behind these establishments, their drive, their struggles, and ultimately their goodness. It's always cool in Mesa, season one, episode six, Mesa Pub Crawl, the hot new oxymoron. It's always cool in Mesa. <laughs> Picture this, it's New Year's Eve 2019. You've come back to Mesa after living somewhere else for 10 years. Why you did this, no one knows. Sounds crazy to me, but you're back. And someone has invited you to meet them downtown for a New Year's Eve celebration. Downtown Mesa, you think? But you go, you get out of your car thinking, when this party ends at 10 p.m., I'll go to a real party. But as you get closer, you begin to hear a crowd. And as you turn the corner onto Main Street, you see hordes of people spilled out onto the sidewalk. And on the balcony above them, more people ready to ring in the New Year. You get closer to the building and look inside. It's a cavernous, two-story, perfectly appointed restaurant and tap room. This is Mesa, you say out loud? A voice comes from behind. Yes, it's 12 West Brewing Company. You turn and see a man wearing a party hat rakishly tipped to one side. 
He points towards the rest of Main Street. When you turn to look, you realize that downtown Mesa has changed a lot. But you missed it because you went to live somewhere else, which again seems crazy. You feel bad. You resolve to write a letter to the mayor telling him you're sorry and that you plan to return as soon as possible. But there's no need for the letter because the man in the party hat is me, Mayor Giles. Welcome home, I say. Now let's have a Shirley Temple. Now, if you've been to 12 West Brewing Company, you know that this is a true story. 12 West Brewing Company is drop-dead gorgeous and opened on New Year's Eve 2019 to rave reviews. How did it happen? The story of 12 West begins in the early 80s when the owner, Brian McCormick, was just a kid attending Queen of Peace Catholic School in downtown Mesa. My grandmother would pick me up every single day from school, and every time I needed supplies, we would walk over to Strauss. That's Strauss Stationery, owned by Don Strauss, also a Mesa mayor. I remember vividly the smell of that building and what it looked like. Like I could close my eyes and walk around that building, walk through the aisles, walk to the cashier, sneak up to their offices up top. It was just really cool. And uh, I always dreamed of owning that building somehow. You see, that's the difference between someone like Brian and me. I loved walking around Strauss too when I was a kid, but I never dreamed about owning the place. All I wanted was a few pencils. And for some reason in late 1990s, I was walking around downtown Mesa. I have no idea why, but I saw Strauss moving out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what are you guys doing, man? Like, wh- wh- where are you going? Oh, we're, we're out of business. We're, we're leaving. Well, do, do you own the building? And they're like, no, we don't own the building. Brian tracked down the owner in California. And I'm just like, hey, man, I don't have any money, but how would a guy like myself own this building? He said, well, first of all, buddy, it's not for sale. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sell you this building. I'm going to lease it. Long story short, Brian negotiated his first big real estate deal, a lease with an option to buy. In 2000, the building he dreamed of owning since he was a child was his. My first project was building the uh, 2,000 square foot loft up top into a livable loft. So me and my kids lived up there for about five years. 12 West became Brian's home and office space. And in a move that no doubt qualifies Brian for the Cool Dad Hall of Fame. The whole basement uh, was a skate park for me and my kids, so we built half pipes and quarter pipes and loved it. Yeah, I I know how he feels. I helped my son build a Pinewood Derby car once, so Brian and I are pretty much kindred spirits. But at this point, Brian wasn't exactly sure what his long-term plan was for 12 West. And then one day... I uh, sandblasted probably four layers of old paint off all the beautiful red brick. It was like, okay, this has a really cool vibe. And I knew that someday when the light rail finally comes through and Mesa kind of comes back, then I wanted to do some sort of of, of brewing company or whatnot. But that time hadn't arrived yet. So Brian, a man who apparently drinks a full quart of adrenaline for breakfast each morning, leased out 12 West and took time to focus on his race cars. He built a new home with a 6,500 square foot garage, a place to tool up his engines. No doubt about it. Brian was in the fast lane, but so was downtown Mesa. Light rail arrived, new restaurants, coffee shops, then a couple of breweries. Brian wanted in the race, but it was only 2016 and 12 West was leased out until 2019. Then one day, Brian drifted into Williams, Arizona and stepped through the doors of Grand Canyon Brewing Company. 
He ordered himself a cold one. It was good. Real good. So good it was like the railway switch in his brain got pulled, and just like that... Oh, okay. Too much. Back to Brian. And at that point, I was like, I don't want to wait. So I'm going to start the concept out of my garage in East Mesa. And that's exactly what happened. Brian's giant race car garage turned into a giant brewery. And we're going to name the brewing company 12 West Brewing Company because someday 12 West Brewing Company will be at 12 West Main Street. Turns out Brian was really good at making beer. We were probably in 150 different bars and restaurants for the next two years. Construction on 12 West began in May 2019. To give you a sense of how grand the building is, I interviewed someone who had an inside view. I'm excited to add Jeff McVeigh to this conversation. Jeff McVeigh is the director of downtown transformation. Did I get that right, Jeff? You know, Mayor, after uh, six years, we're going to get it right one of these days. (laughs) Tell Uh, me your title. It's the best title in all of uh, municipal government. It's the uh, manager of downtown transformation. Manager of downtown transformation. I can't be expected to know everything. I've got a podcast to manage. I asked Jeff how he viewed the creation of 12 West. That was one of the most significant investments in downtown that any individual business has made. Everything is is unique to that space. He didn't pull out a catalog and go and buy a set of tables and chairs. Everything in there was made by an artisan somewhere along the way. In other words, 12 West was a very bold move. Brian McCormick. It didn't need to make sense to me financially. It was mm-hmm. more of a passion play. Like, And yeah. if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. They came. New Year's Eve was a hit, and the excitement continued. We had a a great three months. It was just beautiful. And then all of a sudden... People are self-quarantining at home after they may have come in contact with the coronavirus. But as you can probably guess, Brian isn't the kind to give up easily. We created a little market where people could come in and get toilet paper and food products along with the beer. And they got by, but not just because of their little ad hoc market. A far more important asset got them through. All of our managers and all of our staff pretty much just volunteered. They volunteered. That's what happens when people really want to be a part of something. By the time Brian started renovating 12 West, the brewery movement in downtown Mesa had begun. First on the scene was Desert Eagle in 2015, followed the next year by Oro Brewery. I went to Oro to talk with the owner-operator, Dave Valencia. Like all the others, Oro's new home was built a long time ago. Probably around like 1910, 1913. But Dave made sure to leave a charming reminder of the past. You can look up above at the front, and that's what's really cool is the original adobe brick that are up there. Whether it's for the ambiance or the beer, Oro is firmly on the map. Again, Jeff McVeigh, the downtown transformation grand marshal. I can't tell you the date, but there was a night where my wife and I were in downtown and we couldn't find a seat at Oro Brewing. And that's when I knew, you know, that that we were going to make it. Jeff says Oro has a great vibe and some wonderful offerings. Six core beers that are on pretty much all year. We do uh, four different lagers a year. Right now, we're kind of known for our New England IPA. Lagers, IPAs. You must be so confused. But now that I'm an expert and have a refined understanding of craft beverages, let me save my fellow teetotalers a Google search. You see, it's really quite simple. Beer is either a lager or an ale. Now, lagers have a crisp, clean taste, and ales are sweeter. And IPA means India Pale Ale, which goes back to British colonial times. Sounds strange, but I'm quite serious. Yes. 
I'm still here. What else would you like to know about beer and IPAs? Jeez, how do you turn this thing off? I'm still here. <clears throat> but oral success didn't happen overnight. When you came here, it was it was a, a little grim, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was. Yeah, there were some reviews that would be online. It would be sketchy. That was yeah. the, the word. Sketchy. That's a fair word for that stretch of West Main Street in 2016. This side of Robeson was really nothing. Uh, it was us and them. Now we're getting to the heart of this whole thing. Them is a sandwich shop called Worth Takeaway, just a couple of doors down from Oro. We're going to do an episode on restaurants, but Worth Takeaway deserves a mention here because their involvement is key to the craft scene. I'll explain it this way. Indulge me. In Africa, zebras and ostriches hang out together. Why? Ostriches can't smell or hear well, but on top of that periscope-like neck, they've got some solid visual equipment. And a zebra's vision is a bit Mr. Magoo, but their sense of hearing and smell is the envy of superheroes the world over. So if a hungry lion approaches this unlikely partnership of bird and beast, Now don't ask me which one's the ostrich and which one's the zebra, but Oro Brewery and Worth Takeaway developed a symbiotic relationship. Worth cannot sell alcohol, but you can go to Oro and sit down and Worth would deliver your sandwich to you there. Oro does not have the capacity to have a restaurant. But they've got a Worth's menu ready to hand you. Symbiosis. That's how Worth and Oro got through the slim years. They're still doing it today. In fact, there are signs posted around the brewery. Hungary, we have menus available for Tacos Chiwas, Gus's Hot and Spicy Fried Chicken, K Chevrolet Venezuelan, Worth Takeaway Mike's Pizza. So you don't, you're not getting a kickback from these folks, right? This is just part of the, the downtown Mesa family that you're advertising. Exactly. Did you hear that? Oro Brewery isn't promoting only Worth Takeaway anymore. In fact, today Worth Takeaway is just one name buried in a list of restaurants that weren't even there in 2016. But Worth Takeaway wouldn't have it any other way, because that's how downtown Mesa works. These breweries and restaurants aren't chains that started somewhere else. They're one-of-a-kind, owner-operated, mom-and-pop shops that are working together to create the most unique craft scene in the state. We'll be right back after this break. So, John, this episode is brought to us by the Mesa Chamber of Commerce, and I'm assuming you know these people. The Mesa Chamber of Commerce are, are really, the, uh, they've been like the MVPs in our city throughout the pandemic, particularly for small businesses. Mm. Uh, we, they were a great partner in particularly helping us with, with small businesses that needed to become a little more sophisticated. They needed to kind of up their game. They needed to get better at uh, having and using computer systems and uh, understanding social media. So. Mesa Chamber of Commerce stepped into that need and did a great job. Uh, and because of those programs, uh, a lot of the small businesses in our city not only survived the pandemic, but they are much stronger than they were before. As a mayor, I'm grateful for the chamber because they have been a lifeline uh, to businesses large and small in our city. If there are businesses out there that would like networking opportunities or just to know more about the resources available to them, I'd encourage them to go to mesachamber.org. This community vibe, this hyper-local ethos, took a big leap forward in 2018 with the addition of CiderCore. If you think you've heard that name before, it's quite possible. Their product is sold in bars and grocery stores across the state. 
CiderCore is run by two brothers, Josh and Jason Duran. Josh, the older brother, is the branding expert. Early on, we, we tagged this little phrase, drink great cider, honor great sacrifice. And Jason is the retired Marine. Uh, I was referred to as a teddy bear Marine. I, was, I wasn't kind of like what you typically think of as, as a Marine. Both have a penchant for cider alchemy. But it was their instant commitment to the downtown community that caught Jeff McVeigh's eye. Like the time one of the oral brewery owners got injured. Chuck really messed up his knee somehow. He was, he was out of commission. All the work fell to Dave Valencia. Until Josh and Jason showed up to help run the place and Oro was able to keep its doors open. You know, there was no other motive outside of that except for that they were our neighbor and that's what we're called to do is t- to love on our neighbors. That's the kind of downtown the Duran brothers wanted to build. When an investor group pitched their vision of downtown Mesa, big chains and bright lights, Josh and Jason's reaction was predictable. We are like, yeah, okay. Like, we're trying to look at it from a different perspective and the perspective was building people who truly bought into a community who actually cared about each other. And build it, they did. Tacos Chiwas was attracted to downtown because Cider Core went out and essentially courted them and said, you guys need to be down here. They're attracting the businesses that they believe fits the model of what they want to see. And now look around. Unique, one-of-a-kind breweries, coffee shops, and eateries popping up all over the place. You see, it's always cool in Mesa. When you approach CiderCore, you'll pass a parking spot reserved for Purple Heart recipients. Inside, there's a giant mural of the flag raising at Iwo Jima. The tap handles are made of grenade shells, and all their products have cool military names like Blackberry Grenade, Storm the Peach, and perhaps their most famous beverage, Mango Foxtrot. Business is good, especially for a concern that started in a garage just a short time ago. But the full story goes back to Afghanistan, where Jason was serving as a heavy equipment operator. This specific mission was geared around an active Taliban prison, and the mission was to tear it down. In that process, I hit uh, two IEDs. I didn't sustain any, uh, you know, limb loss or anything like that. Um, Invisible wounds. And that, that, that basically took me out of the fight. Jason returned home with all the classic symptoms of PTSD. Anxiety, depression, invisible wounds. Here's Jason's brother, Josh. When you grow up with somebody and you know somebody a certain way and then they come back and they're dealing with a lot, um, it's tough. Part of Jason's recovery therapy was to find a hobby, not as a distraction, but as a way to heal the mind. They want you to do something that requires processing, kind of like putting a puzzle puzzle pieces together to make a puzzle. Years before, both Josh while in Canada and Jason while in Ireland tried a beverage that made a lasting impression. And we were like, dude, we should try to make cider. And so I actually bought a cider making kit from the homebrew store for Josh's birthday. And we started at his house and then I think I was like, I want to see what's happening. So we brought it all over to my house. And I just fell in love with that process in the garage, and I had my neighbors walking by like, what is going on in there? The hobby therapy was working. My wife recognized like, wow, like he's actually, he's opening a book. There's, mm. He sees that yeah. there's something of value that he uh, wants to study on. So she started ordering me books, and I started doing like reading different papers and sending them to Josh. So the first batch of cider that you made, was it, did you spit it out and go not quite there yet we call it drain pour right just straight down the drain it was terrible probably took i don't know eight months to a year before it was something where it was like okay like we can tell wow. our friends that we made something that's a lot of drain pour 
There's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that because it had become like a rehabilitation thing, like just wasn't going to give up. I wanted to take something that was not good and make it good. I'm fascinated by what makes guys like Jason tick. I think I got part of the answer when I asked him why he first came to Arizona. I came out and um, was actually recruited to pole vault. And so oh. I came out here as a pole vaulter. Now that I know you're a pole vaulter, this makes perfect sense because pole vaulting does not make any sense at all. And so right. the idea, if you're drawn to pole vaulting, <laughs> of course you're going to start a cidery. During the dark days of drain pour, Jason, at the urging of his wife, started taking classes at ASU. For his major, he chose sustainable horticulture. Talk about your symbiotic relationships. was able to ask questions of my professors who've been in the science community for oh, you know, 30, great. 40, 50 years and, and get feedback. And So you were brewing it on the weekend and, and getting uh, consults from your horticulture professors. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Yeah. At this point, Jason launched into a scientific explanation of how their cider is made and why it's unique. Didn't get all of it. The word fermentation was definitely in there. But this much was clear. Probably explains why we don't have cideries on every corner is because apparently you need a PhD in, in chemistry right. to figure out how to do this. <laughs> in short, Josh and Jason stopped pouring their cider down the drain and started sharing it with friends. One of those friends shared it with a powerful beverage director. So today, when you search the beer and wine aisle of Whole Foods, four packs of mango foxtrot are staring right back at you. Obviously, the Durans couldn't continue to supply grocery stores and 100 bars out of their garage. So how did Cider Core land in downtown Mesa? We had been looking for some spots down here, got connected to Jeff McVeigh, and... Um, here we go. Had to open my big mouth. Jeff is the, the city of Mesa downtown... Uh, transformation. Tra downtown Transformation. It's yeah. a great title. Yeah, so great I can never remember it, apparently. He came across this building and... It used to be a transmission shop. Originally, it was actually the horse stable for the mounted police. That building had the specter of environmental contamination attached to it. You could never find a viable business that would go in there. Until Jeff, the... Czar of Downtown Contamination Control used some grant money to have the soil tested. Turned out it was just fine. And just like that, there was a buyer who needed a tenant. Cider Core was at the front of the line. But that's not to say there wasn't a moment of doubt. Here's Jason. Everybody's saying, like, it's downtown Mesa. The one-mile square radius has less than this amount of income. And you're like, right. we're going to start a business here? Of course he was. This is the guy who used to run with a 17-foot pole, lower it into a little metal box, and let it lift him upside down into the air and over a bar. In the sky. A few naysayers weren't going to stop the Durans. They were guided by bigger ideas. If we truly believe that we want to shine a light in the community, then what better place to do it than For sure. right where we did it? Shine away, brother. Today, people come from all over the state to visit Cider Core on Robeson, just south of Main Street. And the breweries just keep coming. The very popular Petal House and BRI, that's Beer Research Institute, are on their way. Does that worry 12 West's Brian McCormick? No, man, the more the merrier. And Dave Valencia? No, that'll be great. I'm, it will become a destination. And the Duran Brothers. The community that's being built will be unbreakable. In a true community, the kind these folks are building there's always room for more. There's only one last question for Jason. Was this successful? Has this uh, taking on uh, cider making healed you? Well, 
I joined the Marine Corps so I could serve my country. Mm. And when those things were stripped away as, as a service person, there's a lot of self-identity crisis in that. So when this happened, it was kind of like this breath of fresh air of like, okay, like I might have a new purpose. I may have something to do. I can provide for my family. I can kind of regain who I yeah. used to be. And man, that's, that's life changing. I'll take that as a yes. The Duren brothers' story has many levels, but they're all echoes of the same notion, really. The notion that anything, anything can change. An awful taste can be made sweet. A useless building can be restored. A dying downtown can live again. And a broken man can be made whole. Let's, let's talk about what we're looking at here. We're at Cider Core. Famous, of course, for its hard cider, but thankfully uh, there are some options for those of us who don't, don't drink. Don't imbibe. Right. What this is, is a peach soda. Peach soda. You know, that, that's pretty good. I'm getting a, a whiff of uh, maybe the barrel that the peach is aged in. Well, you've for got a, a very while. discerning palate. I, look, I don't want to get over my skis here, but. I think I'm getting notes of peaches in here in the peach soda. That's right. I'm not drunk, Brian, but I am spitting at you as we talk about it. Yeah. You know, speaking of not being drunk or being drunk, have you ever listened to a podcast you accidentally put it on half speed and it just sounds exactly yes. when it's like NPR the news you play it at half speed and it sounds like the pe the guys ought to be you know taken away for DUI it would be really funny to do that to you <laughs> to have play everything at half speed at the end and and then you know uh, don't you think that'd be funny I think that would be anything but funny it's always cool in Mesa school in Mesa. Yeah. Forget the degrees and just remember this, please. I say it's always cool in Mesa. Well, that's the last episode of season one, but we'll be back in the fall with six new stories. If you know something cool about Mesa that we should talk about, send your suggestions to me at mesa at mesaaz.gov. I'm sorry. I, okay. At mayor. Okay. There we go. Please send your suggestions to me at mesa at mesaaz.gov. Did I do it again? Okay, I'm sorry. There's a 9 out of 10 chance I'm going to do exactly the same thing one more time. Send your suggestions to me at mesa... I'm sorry. Here we go. Send your suggestions to me at mayor at mesaaz.gov. It's always cool in mesa.